So the reading today is from Mark chapter 2, verse 13 to 22. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. And the disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh Aha, you can hear me? Good. Well, warm welcome from me uh, at home as well. My name is Amy, married to Johnny. If you didn't know, if you're new here this morning, you are so welcome. As we always say, we want you to really know that, that you really are. Um, Now, we are going to share the communion together, uh, which is exciting. We haven't done that for a little while. Yes, so I'm actually just going to share just a few thoughts uh, that sort of lead us in. Uh, to that. But Johnny spoke last week. Uh, He spoke all about harvest. uh, And he was talking about how we, um, as we sort of give ourselves away, we will then start to see um, the harvest. So if you didn't sort of hear that, go ahead and uh, catch up on that. It was really, really good. And and today, I actually just want to unpack uh, the parable that Ruby has read to us. And and I just want to share a few thoughts really of how I believe uh, it relates to us now in this season, 2021 uh, at Trinity. Okay, so we're going to jump straight in. Okay, so what's happening? What Ruby has just read, what's happening? Okay, by this point, Jesus is fully on the scene uh, and he has healed people. He's delivered unclean spirits. He's called tax collectors and other sinners to be his disciples. All in all, Jesus is doing new things, things that were not done before. And as we see time and time and time again as we read the scriptures, these new things, the new things that Jesus is proclaiming and demonstrating are opposed by people who are invested in ways and things that have gone before. And at the moment, at this moment of this parable, Jesus is currently sitting, having dinner with sinners and tax collectors. You know, this was one of the many new things that people around struggled with. You know, this is blowing the Pharisees' minds. It just isn't done. It just isn't done. 
And not only do they question him about eating, just simply eating with these kinds of people, they also don't understand why Jesus and his disciples are not fasting when John's disciples and the Pharisees are. Okay, so that's where we're at. And in order for Jesus to explain to them what is going on, he uses three analogies. And these three analogies are are culturally understood. You know, they're culturally relevant. The first analogy is of a wedding. You know, he says, the guests cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them. You know, he's literally saying, why wouldn't you eat at a wedding? You know, weddings, particularly at this, this, this time, um, were massive celebrations. You know, often they were days long. You know, they understood how crazy this statement is. You know, Jesus is saying that this is a time of celebration and feasting. It's a time of celebration and feasting, not a time of restriction. You know, whenever we go to a wedding, Johnny's always like, fill your boots, the food is free. (laughs) So it's like, you know, this is a time of celebration, not restriction. Second analogy, okay, is he uses uses an analogy of a piece of cloth. So he says, no one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. You know, in most cultures, cloth shrinks when it is washed, and if you put an unpre-washed piece of material onto the cloth that has already shrunk, when it's washed, it will shrink and tear a hole. Okay, again, really understood culturally in the time that he is speaking. And you know, the point here again is you can't mix the new and the old. Something new is happening in Jesus. Something new is happening all around him, and you can't patch it on to the old. Okay, third analogy he uses is, and no one, he says, puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost. And so are the skins. But one puts new wine into new wineskins. Again, same idea with the wineskins. The material obviously needed uh, at this time needed to be waterproof, so they used animal skins, they used leather, and they would sew uh, pieces of this leather together to make a tight pouch for the grape juice to, to be poured into. And you know, I am, um, I'm no uh, fermentation uh, process guru, but I did once go to a hen party at Vineyard, <laughs> uh, which was very good. And they took us around and they showed us how the process takes place. And one of the things I did learn was during the fermentation process, gases are released uh, during this time. And so basically what, it's saying, what he's saying is uh, that during this fermentation process, gases are released and so it expands the bag. Um, and so you need new wineskins, you need new leather because once the wine is once it's expanded, you can't use the same ones because it will break. That's basically what he's saying. Again, really culturally understood. Good. With me? Yes. Okay, but what then? We've read those. What then is the significance? What's the significance here? What is he referring to? What is the new wine? What is the new wine? And Jesus, he is clearly referring to himself and his own ministry. You know, something new is happening. 
Something new is happening. And there is a shift taking place all around them. Things are being turned upside down, right in front of their faces. Everything is being turned upside down. Jesus is showing and teaching new ways of doing things, new ways to exist. You know, people who were um, marginalized, the outcast, they're being invited to dinner. It's a time of celebration instead of restriction. Those abandoned, brought into family. The ill and the sick healed. The undignified, the most undignified, given dignity. The worthless in society, given worth. This is an upside down kingdom. And the Pharisees just cannot comprehend it. They cannot get it. They don't get it. And in the life of Jesus, the new is crashing into the old. And the old is unable to accommodate it. And Jesus is bringing and showing, you know, he's showing with his life a new way to live. He's showing us what true humanity looks like, what it means to be human, what it means to flourish. You know, Jesus is the new wine. It's a new message. It's a new reality. It's a new quality of existence, a new way of being. And through Jesus's death, life, death, and resurrection by his spirit, this new way of life is on offer to us. You know, this new wine, it changes absolutely everything. It changes everything. And you know, this is why we're here, isn't it? This is why we're sat here right now. Because we're sinners at the table. We're sinners at his table. And we have been brought close through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You know, it's a message and a demonstration of pure Utter love. Pure love. And you know, I remember um, when I gave my life to Jesus, when I was 21, I wasn't following him, and there was a moment when I was 21 and I just said, I am in, you know, I am all yours. And I was filled with his spirit um, that completely changed my life, to be honest, day and night, completely changed things. But one of the things I remember more than anything is how radically different I saw myself and the world. I just had my eyes opened to myself and the world in a whole new way. My eyes were opened and lifted from myself. I received in that moment the love and the grace of God. And you know, I was, um, I was so excited, and, I, and the only word I put down here to explain it is compelled. You know, I was compelled to live a different way. You know, he'd shown me a new way to live, a way that had purpose, that served others. When I had been so selfish, it was like, oh, it's a life that's not about me. Hallelujah. A life that's about restoration. You know, it's a life about redemption. It's a life about justice. It's not a life of personal gain, of winning everything and, and getting more status or 
comparison and competition. You know, this was so appealing to me, and it still is. It's so appealing because it's actually the life that brings true life. But who then and what are the wineskins? What do the wineskins represent in this story Jesus is saying? Jesus says, you know, that the new wine needs to go into new wine skins. And some argue that Jesus is just simply talking about Jewish structures and religious practice. You know, that in order to receive the new wine, this message of Jesus, the kingdom of God, then all the practices and the structures need to be scrapped in order to receive the new You know, there's some truth in this, but Jesus is talking about something so much more than that. You know, what functions as the container for Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of God? Is it the religious structures or the people? His disciples are the container. You know, who then receives this wine of Jesus, this message? It's his people. The wineskins are his people. People sitting around that table. People listening to his teaching, taking in his teaching. You know, people begging, begging for just a touch of what Jesus has to offer. And what people need more than anything is to be made new. And in my um, reading and studying around this passage this week, which has been really interesting, because it's a passage that you read just all the time, don't you? Um, I was struck that Jesus uses two different Greek words uh, for the word new in this parable, which I think is really fascinating. I think it's going to come on uh, the screen. The first word he uses in the Greek is neos. And this meaning is, um, it means brand new, so it means young, it means it hasn't, been, it hasn't been around long. And the second word is kainos, and this is, um, it means new in nature or renewed. And Jesus is playing these two meanings off each other in this parable. So I'm going to read it with that in mind, okay. So, and no one puts new new in age, wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost. And so are the skins. But one puts new, fresh, not been around long, wine into new, chaos, renewed, new in nature, wineskins. So what he's saying is this brand new kingdom movement that is all about Jesus requires human lives to be renewed, to receive all there is to receive of the kingdom of God. And you know, in 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, so we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. Kainos. And 2 Corinthians 5 17, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Kainos, renewed. You know, we are the new creation. 
When we give access and allow Jesus by his spirit into our lives, we are being made new in order to receive more of him. That's the key. We're being renewed and restored to receive more of him, more of Jesus, more of his presence, more of his kingdom, more of his life, more of his humanity. That's what's on offer. And that's what he's doing day by day by day when we say yes to Jesus. In other words, we're the containers of this new wine. Although we live in these old bodies, you know, and we're getting old, some getting older, it seems, faster than others. You know, we live in this tension, don't we? We live in the tension that the kingdom is broken in through Jesus' death and resurrection. It's broken in, we see it, we taste it, he's shown us what this life looks like. Yet still we are waiting and we are longing for the kingdom to come in all of its fullness. When Jesus comes once and for all and makes all things new forever. But we can live in hope, can't we now? That when we give our lives to Jesus, he is making us new to give it away to those around us. You know, by his spirit, we are given the ability to live a life that is about love. Love for God, no other gods. Love for God and love for others. And so what does this mean for us? What does it mean for us right now? It simply means, are we ready for more of the new wine? Are we ready for more of the kingdom, more of what Jesus wants to pour into our lives? Are we open? Are we open? Are we flexible like the wineskins? Are we flexible? Are we surrendered to his will and to his way, whatever that looks like? We don't know what it looks like. We don't know what the new thing is. But are we like, whatever it takes, I am given over. Your will, your way. Are we willing to be stretched, stretched to receive more of the kingdom at hand, to share with others, our city, our nation, and this world? You know, it can be so tempting, can't it? Certainly in my life, to limit the new wine in our lives because we get stuck in old ways of thinking, squashing his activity. You know, we want to keep things safe around us, comfortable, you know, so we sort of feel safe inside. And N.T. Wright says this. It was a really great uh, line here in one of his books. He says, when God is doing new things, we should join the party. Not grumble, because the new wine is threatening to burst our poor old bottles. (laughs) And you know, before uh, COVID, a young girl in our church, you know, I think she was seven at the time, uh, she wrote a prayer on her bed. Uh, It was on her uh, bunk bed at home, and we've shared it here before. And it simply wrote, do a new thing, God. Who, what seven-year-old writes that? And he just, she just said, it came into my mind and I wrote it down. Yeah. And this came at this time, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. It came with many, many words and images relating to Isaiah 43, which says in Isaiah 43, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. 
And there was a real sense, you know, real sense that God was up to something amongst us, that he wanted to do something fresh, wanting to do something new. He wanted to open our eyes to more of his kingdom, more of what he wanted to do in, our, in us, in our city. And then, then there was a pandemic. And no one expected that. No one expected that. You know, it's been a turbulent time, hasn't it? You know, it has brought about so many questions. Some people are questioning absolutely everything. You know, there has been great pain, suffering. I know people in our community have lost friends, lost loved ones. There's been loneliness and isolation. You know, for some, it's actually brought greater relational depth. It's brought simplification and clarification. Whatever this season has been like for you, none of us can say that it hasn't been a deeply formational time. He's strengthening the wineskins. We can trust that God is bringing good out of everything. And you know, I was praying this week. I don't know how this lands uh, for all of you. But I was praying this week and I... And I felt for some that you are, um, it's like out of this season, you're coming in, it's like a new season, and you are really at a place of surrender. You know, you've, you've got to this place, you're saying, God, I am available, I am willing. You know, you said to God, I am all in, whatever this season looks like for me. And yet my sense when I was praying is that for some of us, although we're saying that, and it's like, yes, there's sense, it's like a sense of emptiness, within us. It can even feel like a bit of confusion, perhaps even um, depletion or weakness. And I just felt, if that's anyone here or anyone who's listening, I just really felt um, to encourage us to, to hold our nerve. You know, it's in those moments, in the emptiness, in the new wineskins, we want to grasp on and hold on to the past. It looks a bit scary. You know, there's always a moment of emptiness before the filling. And it's Jesus that fills. And so I just want to encourage us, if we're feeling that, it's like a new season, I'm all in, but I'm not feeling like there's anything. Hold your nerve. God's going to fill. Let's just wait for him. For others, I felt as well that there's like this fixation uh, during this time on church structures and practices. And you were like, you know, spending all this time kind of dismantling structures and practices. And if we just do this differently, then the new thing. Or if we just do this differently, then the new thing. And I certainly can fall into that. But I felt like the challenge to me and the challenge to us is, are you ready? Am I ready? Am I flexible? Am I ready to take whatever it is God wants? Am I willing to be obedient? Am I not out there? Am I ready? Am I ready? And for others, it's the pull to comfort. You know, finding it hard to trust. It's been, as I said, a hard season. Maybe we've lost trust that God is good, that he can bring good out of situations. Or maybe it's a, a lack of trust that He's able to move again, that there are new things ahead, that he can work in great measure. And so wherever you are at, as we come in to communion, if we share communion, I just encourage us to get real. The beginning of this new term, beginning of this new season, there is no doubt 
in my mind that Jesus wants to release more of himself to us. He wants to release more of his kingdom. He wants our eyes to be open to new ways he's moving in and through us. And we need to get real. Are we ready? Are we willing? Are we stretchy? Are we flexible? And that comes as we remember what Jesus has done for us in pure, utter, sacrificial love on our behalf that we then get to join in his story. So the question is, what is the new wine? What's the new wine God is pouring into your life at the moment? And how can you be like new wineskins being made new to receive it? So why don't you close your eyes for a minute? I'm going to pray. The Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here, and we say that you are welcome. You are so welcome in this place. And Jesus, Jesus, we are so grateful to you. We're so grateful for what you have done in our lives. We're so grateful that you just keep on moving. You keep on speaking. You keep drawing us closer to you, Jesus. And we just say, Holy Spirit, would you come now? Would you come and would you have your way? Would you work among us? And God, this is your church. We are your people. Make us moldable to your glory. And we ask, Holy Spirit, would you just lift off fear? Would you just lift off insecurity? Would you lift off the idol of comfort and of self, God? Would you lift it off us? And God, I pray in this season, would you make us new wineskins to receive what you have for us? Whatever it looks like for all of us individually. And by your grace, would you come and meet with us right now? In Jesus' name.